0: Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today. Lord, we worship you in Jesus' holy name. God, we pray over the next few moments, God, as we enter into this Christmas season, Lord, that you will uh, refresh us in relationship with you. God, that you will invigorate us, God, of who you really are and what you've come to do. God, we pray that you would just uh, take us down this journey, God. Lord, wake us up, Lord, to the awe and the wonder that is you, God, how great and awesome you are, but yet how personal you are at the very same time. And Father, I pray if we're going through a dark time this morning, God, if we're going through a season in our life where everything is chaotic and it doesn't make sense, God, and we've seen more darkness than we have light, God, that you would just shine on us this morning, reveal to us, Lord, the character, the power, the mighty wonder of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. amen. We're going to go through a series beginning today titled, He Shall Be Called. And we're going to go through the attributes of Jesus Christ uh, in Isaiah chapter 9. If you turn there with me, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. And uh, He shall be called this morning, He shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And you know, uh, because of our sin, you know, this world is full of pain and sorrow You look on the news, the radio, whatever, hatred, war, violence, uh, everything you think uh, the end times would look like. We see today people are living without purpose, they're in broken relationships, marriage crumbling at uh, uh, historical rates, Uh, even the world today groaning with famine and earthquakes and floods, and everything that man builds up is crumbling. But where do you and I today have our hope? Is there a better tomorrow for you and for me? What, do we, what does the future look like? What does it hold uh, for us? Uh, and maybe today you're, you're saying, man, my, my life is in toil, it's in trial. Maybe you're today you would say, man, I'm living in darkness or defeat. Uh, but do you are you and I sustained by this great, great hope? Or are we living like, you know, God has forsaken me, God has forgotten me, life's not worth living any longer Uh and it's, it's easy to get to that place, uh, but for you and I today, uh, kind of what we'll talk about this morning is that if we recognize and we submit to who God is and His authority, our future, our hope will be certain. It'll be steadfast because of who Jesus Christ is. He's that Christ Messiah, that great King. You know, it's awesome to know that every prophecy of Jesus Christ has been fulfilled. Everything that he said he would do, he's done. Uh, and his plan of redemption is one; His victory is one. But let's read this morning, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. Who is this great king? And who is he to those that serve him? What's your expectation for the future? Is there light ahead? Is your tomorrow better than today? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no more gloom. Everybody say gloom gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali with contempt. But later, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea. On the other side of the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness will see a great light. Those who lived in a dark land, light will shine upon them. You shall multiply the nations. You shall increase their gladness. They'll be glad in your presence, as with the gladness of a harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. You shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff upon their shoulder and the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. That's that. That's the Gideon. Uh, you remember the story of Gideon. That's that story. He says, for every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult, and every cloak rolled in blood will be for burning. Fuel for the fire. So basically, uh, every boot, everything the soldier would wear will be burned away and there'll be no more war. And then we get to verse 6, and for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There'll be no end to the increase of his government or peace on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on. And forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. How many think it would be a good thing that there'd be no increase to the end of peace? Right? There'd just be no end to peace. There'd be no end end to justice and righteousness. And kind of just a little background about this passage before we get into the application today, that uh, Israel was very prideful in their disobedience. And God had sent them into exile, and God had given them over to Gentile, pagan, heathen rulers, if you follow the story of the Old Testament, right? And so they get to a time, right at the time of the New Testament, Isaiah prophesies, he sees ahead, He says, Hey, God has given you over to this darkness, and you've been walking through this because you've been disobedient to Him. But there will come a day in the area of the Gentiles in the Galilee that there will be a light that will shine. There'll be a a son, a king that will be born to you. And this Christ, you know, the word Christ is also the same word for Messiah. Christ and Messiah, Jesus, Messiah. Jesus Christ, same thing. It means anointed one. It means this great anointed king, this great savior will be born. And he will break not only the yoke of the uh, empires that have ruled you, but go all the way back to Genesis. The darkness of sin that came upon us from the very beginning of time. This king will be so great. He'll be a heavenly divine king and he'll break off the curse of sin. The darkness that that corrodes mankind that is leading you into that place of gloom and doom. There will be a light come into this world. There will be uh, all of the disorder, all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the things that you see on TV. Again, will be no more. There'll be uh, order in a disordered world, and where our hope and our future was dark, this light would come in, and there'd be a a future and a hope, and God's mighty wisdom, His mighty power, because of that, through this divine King, men would have not only peace with God, but peace within themselves, And, and in peace with one another. There would be this, this wholeness that would just come over just by coming under the authority of this king. There would be uh, an identity in him. There would be a, a, a new life, a new beginning, and a, and a new way to live. And God would demonstrate that because he has such amazing grace, he would send this king. He, he would send it to people who didn't even deserve it. That he would uh, uh, expand time and space, the universal distance, just to get him down to earth to us. Uh, and this unmerited favor would come to a sinful humanity. Now, how does, though, bring it down to today, how does knowing that story, which sometimes if you, you go uh, through our Christmas season, it can just be a story. It can just be a, a legend to some people or, or just another thing. It's another Christmas. It's another year. How does knowing this King, how does knowing this, this prophecy get you and I through dark times? How does... Uh, knowing who Jesus is, get me through the gloom and the doom of this world, get me through troubled waters and troubled times, times of pain and suffering, times of loss and defeat, times where it doesn't think I don't want to even do this any longer. How do we get through that today? Let's look at this first name, Wonder Counselor, the first title. And it's actually kind of one word. Wonder. Think of it as Wonder-Counselor, Wonderful Counselor. In the Isaiah twenty-eight twenty-nine, he talked about this again. He said, God's counsel is wonderful, and His wisdom is great. God's counsel is wonderful, and His wisdom is great. Counsel, or counselor here, means the wisdom of God. It means that God is this strategic, planning, purposeful guy who is His great king, and He strategizes, and He's got the winning ticket. He knows how to get to the goal line. He knows exactly what plays to play at the right time, and he 's going to win he 's stri- uh, he's, he's got the big picture in mind, if you will, this counselor uh, in the old testament times, or even in, and you can think of even up to me- medieval times when you had kings kings would uh, uh, put around them in their tables, counselors, advisors. Okay? Think of it that way. We, our president has a cabinet of advisors. They've got people who uh, basically tell them how to do their job better uh, and give them a winning strategy. But this king is going to be so awesome, he doesn't need anybody else's advice. He doesn't need a Congress or, or a cabinet, or he doesn't need a special advisor or special assistant to the king. He is the wonderful counselor. He knows exactly what to do and when to do it. And uh, wonder here points to his supernatural power. Everybody say power. 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 His supernatural power. He's wonder uh, and wonderful. He is full of wonder. We say wonderful a lot. We sing those songs and wonderful, wonderful. This is all in the wreath, wonderful. No, it isn't. It's beautiful. It's nice. And I, I'm glad we have it. But is it full of wonder? Is it amazing? Is it awe-inspiring? Is it marvelous? And that's this title that he has, wonder. It means it's a feeling of surprise. It's a feeling of admiration because God performs beautiful things. He performs things that are unfamiliar, that will blow your mind. He, he has unexplainable things that when you go up and look at the sky... On a on a cold winter's night, and there's uh, no light pollution, you look up and you can just be mouth opened at all of God. You can you can go out to your, your garden, you can see just how everything works and the awe around it. That, that the bee knows what to do, and the butterfly knows what to do, and everything works in perfect symmetry. And you can just look into a baby and see, wow, that that how does that work? That all that forms and all the fingers and toes are there, and all the the the, the smiles. It's just awe inspiring, right? Now, I'm going to take you on a journey this morning about this wonderful counselor, full of wonder counselor, because I think sometimes we lose the wonder of God. In a sense, it's wonderless. Instead of wonderful, it becomes wonderless. I wonder if sometimes we allow God to be so small and so familiar that we lose the wonder of how great and how awesome He is, how how just unbelievably awesome that God is. And Moses said in Exodus chapter 15 verse 11, he said, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you majestic in holiness, awesome in praise, working wonders? See, the wonder of God should create in us such awesome praise that when you Think of what God has done for us, and we, we look at creation, how it cries out to God, and you, you think of how God has blessed your family, how God has saved your soul. It should evoke in you such wonderful, awesome praise of who God is. And, and what do we do, though, if we're not at that place, when you're going through that dark time and that gloom and you can't see anything else, and it just looks like, God, how am I just going to get through today? God, I don't. I, I just need to get through now. And I, Lord, I don't even know if I can do that. What do you do when you get to that place where God is no longer wonderful? It seems that there's just you're just trying to make it. Uh, in Israel, Israel, uh, if you go back to the story of the Exodus. Israel was in uh, in gloom and despair. Uh, they were uh, under the uh, rule of Pharaoh, who was a, a bad guy, in slavery. And God comes and He becomes our deliverer. He hears their cry, man, and He He just knocks the socks off of wonder. I mean, He He does the ten uh, plagues. He shows signs and wonders. He delivers them. He parts the Red Sea. He pushes them through. There's a you know a tornado behind them. There's a pillar of fire. Uh, there's uh, then they get into the wilderness and God's you know giving them water through rocks. He's given them a quail just. I mean, hunters, duck hunters, man. Wouldn't it just be... We'd probably take the fun out of it, right? The ducks just fall there and you're blind. You know, you don't even have to do anything. Uh, uh, they, they just provided for. And they get this stuff called manna. And they call it the bread of angels. It's a bread of heaven. And it's just this wonderful thing. You just... You have bread every day, you know? Uh, you know, husbands, I know you know how you, much you love when your wife um, has that big breakfast ready for you when you get up. And, and all the guys are like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Uh <laughs> Uh, You know, it's just, it's there, it's provided. Should be the other way around, right, ladies? Uh, And so, he gets to that place, they get to that place, and it it becomes this wonder, but at the end of it all, years into it, sometimes like it is in marriage, the wonder has gone. And they begin to complain and to grumble against God, forgetting all the things that had come before They forgot that they're going out there, they're eating this heavenly bread that just falls out of heaven, and they don't even care. It's just another piece of day. It's another day. It's another piece of bread. You know, if we're not careful in our Christian walk, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the second coming of Jesus Christ can lose its wonder. Just like that marriage relationship, it takes work. It takes an inspiring... Sometimes you've got to remember the good times to believe that good times can happen again. You've got to remember the promises that were made and the vows that were taken uh, to know that, hey, there's a future ahead for us and we're going to make it by the power of God. There's a, there's a presence in the Holy Spirit that we have to uh, uh, reignite and reinvigorate to recognize the wondrous presence of God in our daily lives. Margaret Feinberg, she's a author, Christian author, she wrote a book called The Wonderstruck, or Wonderstruck of God or something along those lines. And she quoted this. She said, Today, many are not only less aware, we're less expectant. And so even when God does show up in our lives, we miss Him. We're spiritually asleep, and we don't even know it. How do you know, and how do I know, if we are lacking in wonder of God? I'm going to give you four things real quick. If you've got notes, you can write these down. Four ways, and these are not all inclusive, four ways to know if you are lacking in wonder. Ready? Number one, your spiritual disciplines have become empty. Your spiritual disciplines have become empty. It may be mean that, hey, my Bible verses have become stale. Those, when you think about John three sixteen, it just becomes another number, and a, a three and a one and a six uh, in the book of John. It doesn't really invoke anything any longer. There just becomes a, a, a stale, a staleness in our, in our reading of the Bible or in our verses that once moved us. Or maybe it's in prayer that God seems to be silent to you. Maybe you're going through a season today uh, where you're not really hearing from God, or God's not really appearing to you uh, like He has before. Or maybe you've gotten to that place, and Lord, help us, where we become the Christians that uh, we think we've got it all figured out. And none of us, let me be honest, will ever admit that to anybody. We'll all say, oh, Lord, now you know, I know, I don't know it all. But then when those questions come, there's no longer a pursuit for more knowledge of His Word. There's no longer anything that is drawing you to figure it out or to uh, go deeper in study or passion to think, God, how does that work? Or, God, what did you do that for? And, and it's not even, there's no groaning uh, for answers or to uh, search deeper into who he is or what he's done. And it seems that we have that catchphrase, Sunday school answers for every time a new Christian asks us something. Uh, there's just that staleness. So number one, our spiritual disciplines have become empty. We know we're lacking in wonder. Number two, worship has become religious. It's kind of like this. We sing the song and we get this great enthusiasm, you know, when our worship team leads us, but then when the song is over, it gets quiet. Our, our, our enthusiasm ends when the song is over. That means that we're just using the music to move us, but yet it's not in fact who he is or the wonder that he is, uh, that, you know, it's... I play, uh, I'm going through a bad day, I put on a good song, and then the the song moves me and I feel better, but then the song goes off and it's like, up day started back over again. Uh, The song ends and our enthusiasm does too. Or maybe you've been living perhaps on past experiences with God. Maybe there's more things about your testimony of God that are from your past and you're not really thinking about what God is going to do again in the future that worship to you has just become, oh man, The good old days or back when we had this or back when God moved in my life at kids camp or that good revival service with brother or sister so and so. And it's more about the things God has done but not about the things that God is going to do. Now don't get me wrong, testimonies are great. Those altar times that we've had before are great but God still wants to do new things. God still wants to move us deeper into his presence so we can't just live in the past. And so maybe that's that we're worship, that, that lifestyle has become religious with us. We're no longer overwhelmed by him. And that might be how we know if we're lacking in wonder. Number three, maybe we're distracted. Maybe there's no enthusiasm to move us forward in that relationship. That's kind of like number one and two. But, you know, maybe we're just so distracted that God can't wake us up at night any longer. That we can go throughout our day and God could have tried to talk to us several times and we would never notice it. God wanted to speak to us as we were driving down the road, or God wanted to speak to us when we were getting stuff out at the post office, or God wanted to speak to us in the checkout line at Walmart, but we were so distracted, so preoccupied with our own life that we never saw the wonder of God wanting to do miraculous things in our daily routine. Or maybe number four. Maybe you're here today. You've lost the wonder of God because you're going through a situation right now that seems bigger than a universal God. It seems that the situation you're going through is bigger than God. You can't see anything else but the thing that you're in right now. And you've lost the wonder of a mighty God who's bigger than all things. And you feel like, you know, I can't do life anymore. I can't do this situation anymore. And you've seen more darkness in your life than you've seen light. And that's what you feel like. I want to wow you to the wonder of God. Psalm 66, verse 5 says, Come and see the works of God who is awesome in His deeds towards the Son of Man. Wonders are those powerful events, one author says, which are unmistakably performed by God, and they reveal His divine character and purpose. They're miracles that point to God. They're His divine character. And uh, Margaret Feinberg, in her book, she says, The wonder of God are those moments of spiritual awakening that create a desire to know God more. How many want to be spiritually awakened and get a bigger revelation of God to know Him more? Anybody? Yeah. Amen? All right, you ready? The wonder of God is seen in His universal design. Some of you have been with me on Wednesday nights uh, the last year or two. Uh, I've shared this with you, but I'm going to share it again because just it wows me every time I think about it. The wonder of God is seen as in, in His universal design for life to exist on earth, all right, for life to exist on earth, there must be this, you ready? A perfect galaxy. There must be a perfect galaxy in the perfect place in the universe. And that perfect galaxy in that perfect place in the universe must have the right type, the size, and the distance between the stars within it. In that galaxy, in that perfect place, in that perfect universe, must be a perfect star. And in that perfect star, there must exist the right elements, the right stability, the perfect mass, the perfect luminosity. And in that perfect galaxy, in that perfect universe, in that perfect star, there must exist uh, a perfect planet near it. And it must be the perfect distance from that perfect star, in that perfect galaxy, in that perfect universe, with specific gases and water vapor and surface temperature. There must be the exact right rotation speed. There must be the exact axis tilt. The thickness of the earth's crust must be exact. The seismic activity must be so, and it must be the right age. But in that perfect planet, there must be aligned inside a perfect solar system. There must be larger planets like Jupiter and Saturn, which we have, to shield us from space debris. And in that perfect planet, in that perfect solar system, with that perfect sun, in that perfect galaxy, in the perfect place of the universe, there must be an enormously large moon. It must be a moon larger than a certain ratio to that perfect planet because it has to pull the coastal waters to aid life and to create seasonal weather and many, many more fine-tuned characteristics than what I've even listed today uh, have to exist for there to be life on this earth. And the scientists have shown us that the number is so small, you could never write it out of the chance that any other place in the universe, even if we were to know, and we know about today, that there are 100 billion trillion stars. There's a trillion, 100 billion trillions stars. And if you even did the mathematical probability that all of those variables would line up, there is only, the the, the chance is undefinable, unwritable that God did not make the universe, that God is not the author of life and his design is not the fingerprint of this world. God is a wondrous God. Wondrous God. Not only in design, let's keep going, not only in design, but in power. In power. Did you know that in one second, of the sun's rays on this earth, one second there is more power, more energy in one second of the sun's rays than all of man has ever produced in human history since the time of Adam. In one second, there is more power hits this earth by God's authority than anything we have ever produced. And let me say, the sun is 4.5 billion years old. That's a lot of seconds. And that one sun produced in one second, God made it He said, let that... Be. And there is more power. Think about it. God's power had to be so immense, so immense to create our one sun. Let me go further. There are a hundred billion suns in our galaxy. And outside of our galaxy, there are a hundred billion galaxies with a hundred billion suns. And when God said, Let there be light, power exploded in one second of that power is more power than mankind could ever even imagine. Now, when I say, God, I don't know if you can handle this situation. God, I don't know if you can take this cancer. God, I don't know if you can work on my finances. And we look at it and you think, we've lost the wonder of God. That in one second, His breath produced more power than we could ever imagine. Not only in design, but only in power, but in uh, size do we see the wonder of God. The Bible tells us that God by His hands in Isaiah 45 unrolled, stretched out the heavens, and ordained every star, and that He knows every star by name. And science will tell us that if you traveled at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, now get with me, 186,000 miles per second, I think that's like going around the earth seven times in a second. If you traveled at 186,000 miles per second, and you wanted to get to the end of the universe, which the Bible says God unraveled the universe with his hands, like this, right? If you wanted to get from one end of the universe that we know of to the other, that God has unraveled with his big arms, and you're going 186,000 miles per second, it would take you over 28 billion years to get from one end of God's hand to the other. How big is our God? How wonderful! Is our God, not only in design, not only in uh, power, but Lord, in, in, in size. It, the Bible says in Psalms 139 that such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I can't even attain to it because, God, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee even from your presence? I could go to the heavens. You're there. I can make my bed in the place of death, and behold, you're there. I could go to the wings of the dawn, and I could dwell in the remotest part of the sea, but even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand can lay hold of me because God is an awesomely wonderful God. Man, who could even imagine? And yet, in this world, we go through darkness, we go through trials, we go through circumstances, and we yet only have to sit back and look and look up and say, God, I know you are God. God, I know you're big enough. God, I know you're strong enough. God, I know you're wise enough. I I want to rediscover the awe and the power of God. I want to be excited about His mysteries. I want to be excited about His great promises, the depths of His love for us. And I want to have that childlike faith that is eager with anticipation, that looks at things like a child does. You know, like at Christmas, we, had, we drove up in the driveway the other day and we had some of the Christmas lights on. And you know, they just stare there in wonder, in awe of these lights. You know, sometimes you've got to go back. And be like that child and look at these verses and look at creation and go outside and look at the stars and look at nature and say, God, you are a wonderful, full of wonder, awesome God. And I know that if you can do all things well like this, God, I know you can do anything in my life. God, I know you can handle my situation. I know you can uh, see my need, And I want to know that God's mighty hand is larger than my circumstances. I'm going to challenge us today, church, to pray for a stirring. Pray for a renewed relationship with Jesus Christ that we just come and when we look at the words and the promises and the plan of God and we see what God has done in our lives and we see who Jesus Christ is and he's come down to this earth uh, to save us, that we just get in awe. And we just marvel at this Christmas story. That, that it's not just another story that we could, we could get to this place where we say, this is real. This actually happened. God the one whose arms is 28 billion years old at 186,000 miles per second, that big God who was at the other side of the universe that if I wanted to reach Him, I could never even think about it, has come all the way here. The one who has all power and has one word that said, let there be a light. And it said, light, in one second, there's more power produced in this universe than we could ever fathom. That's the same God that said, I want to be Emmanuel. God with you. That's marvelous. That's wonderful. So he's wonderful, full of wonder, but he's also a counselor. Counselor. What does that mean? How does knowing such a big and majestic God help me in my day-to-day situation? How does knowing how wonderful He is really get me through today and this week? Psalms 8, verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you've ordained. What is it that is about man that you take thought of him and sons of men that you care for him? How do I go through this darkness when I feel like I'm going through it alone? How do I go through this situation and realize uh, God is there for me? Psalms 45 says, Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders which you've done and your thoughts towards us. There is none compared with you. If I could declare and speak of them, they'd be too numerous to count. Meaning this, God is so wonderful and the stars are innumerous and it says that God has counted and named the stars but that His thoughts likewise towards us. You think about it this way. God has taken so much care to name the stars and He knows every single one of us too. Like, that He cares. I mean, why does He care about the stars? Enough to name them, right? And there's hundreds... 100 billion trillion stars. He named them all, right? And he cares for you and for I. He knows our hair on our head. He numbers them. He knows the sparrows. If he knows a sparrow that falls, and one of them said, if God goes to the sparrow's funeral, right, how much more does he care about what you and I are going through? How personal is this mighty God who numbered the stars, yet he cares for what you and I are going through. He becomes not only just wonderful, but counselor. And look at this contrast, that God with us, the Bible says he'd be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us, that Jesus Christ was this perfect demonstration, that God is a personal God, that he is concerned for us, that he was willing to go 28 billion miles at the speed of light to get to you and me. Think about it. God, are you here with me? God, are you going to get me through this situation? He's like, I traveled 28 billion miles at the speed of light to get to you. Years and years ago, I prophesied I would come to you. I've come to deliver you out of your bondage, to be with you, to give you a future and a hope. I have a good plan for you. That's a wonderful God. He is my counselor, Emmanuel, God with us. He, he, Jesus not only came to this earth, but he left his spirit. His spirit... uh uh, comes, Jesus comes as this, this wonder worker, this miracle maker, and He comes and He leaves the Holy Spirit to teach us, to comfort us, to bring revelation, the Bible says, of God's mysterious plan. And it says in the Bible that those who set their minds now on the Spirit have life and have peace. He comes as counselor, as teacher, as comforter, as friend. And He comes and He leaves His Spirit and He says, Hey, set your mind on My counsel. Set your mind on my strategic plan for your victory. Set your mind on my mind. Listen. And the Holy Spirit comes over there. And just like that counselor would come to that king in those ancient days and says, Hey, king, this is the way to victory. I have studied your enemies. I've studied the battle plans. I'm going to tell you a strategy that works. God comes beside you and I, and he becomes this great king, becomes our counselor. He comes to you and says, Hey, Joe, hey, John, here's how to get through this situation. Here's how I'm going to lead you through. Here's the victory that is ahead for you and how to get there. And those who set their mind on God's counseling spirit will have life and peace, Romans 8, 6 says. He becomes that extraordinarily wise one for our plan of victory. But there's a a problem here because even Israel had this God. And Israel walked with the sky, but the Bible says in Micah 4.12 that Israel did not know the thoughts of God nor understand His purpose. Why? Because the Bible says in Isaiah 55 that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and His ways are not our ways. So we have to be in tune. God has a plan for you in victory. He has a plan to shine light in your darkness. He has a plan to counsel you in your troubled times. But the Bible says we have to be conformed into the image of His Son because God is already for us. But we want to know, God, what is your Spirit saying? What is your Spirit saying? Psalm 16, 7 says, I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night because I've set the Lord continually before me because He's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. The Lord is my guide, my lamp, my counsel. Where are you at in your life today? Do you have such a personal relationship with an awesome and awe-inspiring God? Is God wowing you? Is God speaking to you in the night? Is God uh, just leading you in this dark time that you're going through? And, and is, he, is, he, is, he, is He getting you to that place where you're just like, God, my relationship with you is exciting. Or are we just kind of here? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come? Psalm 73 says, His counsel guides us and leads us to glory. Is He your wonderful counselor? Your wonderful counselor? Jesus. Father God, we thank You today. We worship You today. and Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving around. Maybe you're going through a dark situation today, but the Bible would tell you that God is not far off. We've got one ahead of us who's created the big picture, one who has good plans for us, a future and a hope, and His wondrous power and His wise counsel makes us victorious.